Welcome back to Podcast 70 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us to the Icebreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our costs and benefit from the Icebreakers, please visit the Icebreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium handicappers to get the premium place for the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the odds breakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, I've been waiting for this weekend. Huge UFC event, UFC 280. Been waiting for months for this event. Very excited about that. And since this event is so large, we are having a specialist come on in Mr. Lou Finicaro, who is a contributor at VEASAN and Gamblue.com to talk about UFC 280. Not only that, William Hill from VEASAN is coming on to discuss the full slate of NFL games. I'm going to cover some college football for you as well before all that. Because, can't forget about college football, it's not a weekend as big as last weekend, but I do have a few plays to go over to discuss with you, as well as maybe a few leans. So before we get into our guests, as well as college football, there's some trends I want to go over, being that's mid-season, and this is a sports betting show. I want to talk a little bit about college football and NFL trends here. College football to date against the spread is what we talk. So we're going to start with that. Away teams, 237, 242, and 8. 49.5%. No value there betting all away teams. So basically, you have to remember, you have to be 52.4% correct when betting at a minus 110 juice via American odds to be profitable at sports betting. So that's where these angles kind of come in when I talk about them for your thought process. Home teams, obviously the opposite, 242, 37, and 8, 50.5%. So favorites, 48.2%. Dogs, 51.8%. Not quite enough for the dogs there. Away favorites have been bad. 45.7%, but that means home dogs have been wonderful. Well, very good. Let's say 54.3%. If you bet money, let's say you put 10 bucks on every single home dog every single week, you'd be up 54.3%, 69, 58, and 4. So it's interesting. It looks like home field advantage maybe is factoring in a little bit more for the dog. It's a way to think about it. As far as straight up, Away teams just 30% winning, 30.4%, and home teams 69.6% straight up. Let's move on to the NFL. Here's some football trends. Away teams against the spread are 52.2%. Away teams doing a little bit better. My theory is because the market is still factoring in home field advantage a little bit too much. 
and home teams are 47.8%. But maybe where the market is missing out as well in the NFL is home dogs. It looks like home dogs are getting a much more home field advantage for whatever reason, based upon the market perspective. At 56.4%, they are covering. 56.4. That means away favorites are only 43.6. Home dogs are wonderful this year in the NFL. But home favorites are terrible. 41.2% home favorites and away dogs are 58.82%. So basically, home dogs and away dogs are killing it. Dogs in general... 57.8%. So you got to appreciate that. So it looks like the dog maybe in general is getting a little bit more of an advantage for whatever reason, at least from what the market is saying. So why not to cover that just because it's important to look at this information. Obviously with the totals, non-overtime games, the under is 59.8%. As long as the game didn't go over into overtime, you're at 59.8%. And actually, all games are 60.9%. So if it went overtime, it's slightly better right now, I suppose, from a totals perspective for the game to go under. A lot of these overtimes are like 20 to 20, you know? 21-21, 17-17. You've seen a lot of those really low-scoring overtime games. I found that very interesting. So overtime games obviously are uh, four unders and one over. We've had five overtime games, so that's where that number really comes in. If you have any questions about that for our Monday Mailbag, please email us at info at theoddsbreakers.com. And we have a question for this podcast from Dimitri. He says that Alabama is plus 160 to make the playoffs. Whew, a lot better than it was before the season, right? I think you're like minus 350 or something to make the playoffs. Well, he wants to know if that's a good number. Remember what I said? Bama fans should not worry after beating Tennessee. You should not worry because you still control your own destiny. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to do, though. That's the big problem. 160 means there's about a 40% chance, about a 38, 39% chance that Alabama is going to make the playoffs according to what the market says. But here's why. You have an Ohio State and a Michigan team. If they have one loss at the end of the day when they win the Big Ten championship against, what, Purdue, Minnesota, you know, one of those teams, they're pro- the, the loser is going to have a good chance of getting in the college football playoff. Even USC at one loss might have a shot here, just depending upon how well they're viewed at the very end if they win out. Like I said, the Pac-12 got murdered with that USC loss, especially with Utah with two losses on the outside looking into the college football playoff. Texas has two bad losses. You know, they could win it all and screw the Big 12 over completely. But here's the problem. Alabama has that one loss 
if they win out, I would say they're in. But it's going to be a difficult road because right now against Georgia, they're basically a pick em and they can't have any other hiccups on the way. Alabama's got to face Mississippi State at home, which should be a big get-up spot. But away at LSU is a little tricky. And then away at Ole Miss is a little tricky. Now, Austin P and Auburn should be cakewalks, especially both Auburn's at home and Austin P is nobody. But still, that LSU and Miss Ole Miss game is a little tricky. Probably better to do a money line rollover on Alabama, even though you're get you're laying what minus one thousand, minus fourteen hundred this week, and then you roll that tiny bit of winnings over to next week against LSU, where they'll probably be. Minus 800, something like that. And then Ole Miss, if Ole Miss is, remains undefeated, I'm going to say minus 700, something like that. And then Austin P. and then Auburn, right? And where the money line rollover would pay the most is when they're closer to a pick against Georgia. Will that make all the way up to plus 160 because they have to beat the Georgia game? I don't know. They're probably picking up... Tw- a quarter of a unit, maybe maybe a, a third of a unit for these money line rollovers for these easier games. But then again, you're getting plus 160 for them to make the playoffs. It's pretty close maybe. But I think that the road is a little bit harder, especially if Tennessee loses to Georgia, yet they only have one loss. Then all of a sudden, they're going to look at Alabama losing to Georgia in the championship game. Bama's out completely. Most likely, they would put Tennessee in ahead of them. Let's say Bama wins out. I would have to say Alabama is in, but then you're going to have a tough one with Georgia and Tennessee sitting there with one loss when they're going to say Tennessee beat Alabama, but they're also going to say they did it at home. It's going to be a lot of discussion with three SEC teams looking in. Lots of SEC fans are going to say put all three of them in and take out the Big Ten guy, take out Michigan, or take out Ohio State. I'm going to assume Ohio State beats Michigan, being they're like 10-point favorites right now at home against Michigan on the look-ahead. But Michigan, their strength of schedule with one loss is uh, certainly worse than what Tennessee's is with one loss. So Tennessee would be put in over Michigan as well as Georgia, in my opinion. Now, Clemson is an issue. Clemson makes it an issue for Alabama if they lose one of those games as well. Because let's say Clemson wins out, which being 7-0, already getting past Wake Forest and NC State's banged up. They beat NC State, actually is a big crutch because they're not going to say we're going to put a two-loss Alabama team in front of a Clemson team with zero losses, maybe even one loss. So you have an issue with them. What if TCU wins out and they win the Big Ten championship? You have an issue there. They're not going to keep the SEC championship out. The question that you have, can Alabama win the rest of their games? I think plus 160 is probably right on. You know, it's really close to what you'd be doing if you did a money line rollover, in my opinion. The bigger issue is you see absolute problems with Alabama's defense here, and they could drop a game 
against, for instance, Ole Miss or LSU. All of a sudden, Ole Miss is representing, and they're not. They're sitting with two losses going to a different bowl game. My opinion is that the plus 160 isn't quite enough for me to do it. I think the price is completely fair. Great question, Dimitri. Keep them coming. All right, let's get into a little college football week eight plays. And there's not a lot of huge games this week. The biggest games are probably Oregon versus UCLA. Oregon hosting UCLA, I should say. You know, both of these teams are ranked. Pac-12 game. Oregon's got that nasty loss to Georgia, as you know. I believe UCLA is undefeated. I guess they could be a crutch in Alabama, too, if they go undefeated, right? Probably not going to happen. Oregon's a six-point favorite. I'm going to discuss this game a little bit more on Better Odds Sports Betting on Friday, but there's a big reason why Oregon is a favorite of six points, and that's the weather. It's looking to be very rainy. UCLA can't stop the run very well, and Oregon can run the ball very good. With the rain, I completely lean the minus six with Oregon. On a clean field, low low rain, low wind, it switches to UCLA just based upon that weather report. I think it's very important that you look at it this time of year, uh, especially how it affects passing teams, right? You got to be careful with that. The Alabama Ole Miss game is massive. You know, Ole Miss, or sorry, Mississippi State, they had a bad loss <clears throat> at Kentucky last week. One of the ones I wish I would have bet, strong lead of mine, uh, did not come through. But now Alabama is like a 21 and a half point favorite. My pure number is Alabama minus 18.5. They're at home here. They beat the crap out of Mississippi State last year. Mississippi State couldn't get in the end zone. I mean, do you really want to go against Nick Saban in this situation? Not really, even though my number says to kind of go against them a little bit. Probably not even going to get involved in that game, but that's going to be a massive game this week as well. Kansas State versus TCU. TCU a minus 3.5 point favorite. This is a low confidence level game for me. You know, TCU did not get the job done last week. But then again, they're playing a very well-coached Kansas State team that has a very volatile quarterback. If you remember Adrian Gar- uh, Martinez for Nebraska, he did perform very well as a dog, but he was also literally all over the place. You know, a couple hiccups with Kansas State there on the outside looking in, trying to cover a big spread at the end of this game. My pure number on this game for... TCU is minus seven. (laughs) I don't like TCU in this situation, though. Overtime at home against Oklahoma State, they win in overtime. It's just a bad situation. And TCU has issues on their defense. Maybe I'm a little too low on Kansas State. That's why I'm not getting to the window right now with this one. This thing gets down to minus three. I'm going to definitely make a big consideration here. And, uh, taking TCU in this game. Syracuse Clemson could be fun. Early game, 6 and 0 Syracuse against Clemson 7 and 0. Although Clemson's minus 13 and a half that shows what people think about Syracuse. Syracuse had a very easy schedule. Probably should have lost to Purdue. 
only beat Virginia by two points, got to play NC State without their quarterback. <laughs> you know, very, very fortunate schedule for Syracuse, but this line says it all on how Clemson is minus 13 and a half. Clemson's just been hanging in, playing great defense. Uh, DJ Uyunglele has been a lot better than I thought. 17 TDs and two interceptions, 64% completion percentage. Clemson has had the much harder schedule, yet they're still scoring more points per game, 38.6 to 36 over Syracuse. So that's the big that's the big issue here. That's why algorithms aren't always that great in college football. How far can you take this strength of schedule down for Syracuse to make it very impactful? Very, very difficult to make those decisions. That's why power ratings always rule in the college football. Let's move it to our plays then. I'm going to start with Central Michigan hosting Bowling Green. Minus six and a half, minus seven-ish. Total is 50. It's time for some action here, but the games are still Saturday until week 10. So action doesn't move to Tuesdays until week 10, which is unfortunate for uh, college football fans that want to bet on a Tuesday, I guess. Bowling Green, they're not pathetic like they were in the past. They've been upgraded to just bad, I suppose. But in, say, in, in saying that, Central Michigan's not that good themselves. Both teams are 74th or worse in defensive success rate as well as defensive EPA. Bowling Green is a bad negative 1.3 net yards per play, while Central Michigan is actually about even, hence the 6.5-point spread here for them at home. Now, both schedules have been pretty easy. If I could say anything nice about each team, they both average over 25 points per game. And that's counting, I guess, the non-conference, which was a little difficult. But on the other side of the coin, Bowling Green, they give up 37 points per game. While the Chippewas give out give up 29 points per game. So that's kind of where I'm going at. It's the over. You know, both of these teams play a relatively faster pace. Central Michigan ranking 21st in pace. Bowling Green ranking 37th in pace. If you remember in the past, Bowling Green was a much faster team than they are now, but the weather looks good. This total's very low at the 50. I'm going to take over 50 for 2.5 stars. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Next is Texas versus Oklahoma State, plus 6.5. Total is 62. I've been scratching my head all week about this one. Why the heck did this move up to six and a half? I have a bad number on this. This thing opened at two and a half. At three and a half, I took it. Went all the way up to six and a half, which means I still like it even more. (laughs) What have we learned about Texas? They seem pretty resilient when it comes down to the nuts and bolts. Played some close games, but they did lose a nasty game against Texas Tech, didn't they? And how many road games have they played? One road game and that was texas tech and they lost their game against oklahoma was a neutral field it's different going neutral than on the road i mean this spread does bug the heck out of me and i have no idea why it's this big oklahoma state has had some bad advanced metrics and i think that's part of it heck that's part of the reason i took tcu but i was absolutely wrong in that situation 
Gundy is a fantastic coach as a dog. And that's part of the reason why I lost that game. They kind of choked that game away last week to TCU. You know, Oklahoma State also beat the Big 12 champion in Baylor a few weeks back. Got to give him some credit for that, beating Baylor and TCU, and they're a six-point home dog here. What has Texas done to deserve that? Well, Quinn Ewers went out, and the whole thing was they're way better with Quinn Ewers. Well, it didn't show last week. Texas got outgained last week to Iowa State and probably should have lost that game. This this is about Texas being on the road as a bigger-than-three-point favorite. Now, the wind is blowing. It says 24 miles per hour. And I know that Texas is the better rushing team. But is it enough to affect the field of play for Oklahoma State at home with a Gundy coach team? I like Sarkeesian, and I like what he can do for an offense. But right now, to me, he's just a poor man's Lincoln Riley until he starts blowing out some more teams on the road. Losing to Texas Tech was very bad. I think Bama... The way they played that game was wonderful, but they're also at home, and Bama has been playing down to their opponents as well, especially on the road. The road team in this matchup, Texas versus Oklahoma State, the last 15 meetings is 12-3 and three against the spread. Take Oklahoma State plus 6.5 for three stars. You're going to need a bigger boat. And to be honest with you, even though I gave it out at a bad number, I sometimes personally rebet it. I'll never, I rarely give it out again, I would say, not never. But in this situation, there's no reason why it should be six and a half. And sometimes I just make that bet myself and have two bets on the game rather than just one. Finally, let's move to Rice versus Louisiana Tech plus three, total 57. This is a very simple handicap to me. Rice has a .4 net yards per play advantage over Louisiana Tech. Neither offense is all that good, but Rice can run the ball some. And the Bulldogs give up a league-worst 6.41 yards per rush. Not only will Rice control the time of possession, but they're also going to score at will just keeping the ball on the ground. You shouldn't even have to pass the ball much here. Rice is 5-1 against the spread this year, one of the best in college football, and I still think the market hasn't completely caught up with them. Somewhat undervalued, and I like them at the 3. Not the 3.5. Shop around for a 3. I got a flat 3, but if you have to buy it, I would highly recommend doing that because they are an away favorite against a hungry Louisiana Tech team who's just happened to be terrible against run. Take Rice, minus 3 for two stars. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. All right, my friends. Now let's get into our first guest to go over the NFL slate, Mr. William Hill from VEASAN. Now I'm very excited to welcome back a great sports better and huge New York City fan, Mr. William Hill. You can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Will, thanks for coming back on the show How's New York football looking these days? 
Oh, it's amazing. You know, we, we went five years without having a decent team. And I remember talking to you right before the season. I was like, are we going to get one decent season out of these, you know, one of the two teams combined? And you look up and it's a, it's a collision course for the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what we should be talking about. Forget the rest <laughs> of the teams. What's the line on the Jets-Giants Super Bowl going to be? It's uh, They're doing it in different ways. The Giants, it's a little more luck. It's coaching. It's been a soft schedule. The Jets, I think, uh, there's some luck with that too. And, and as we'll talk about with the NFL, there's a lot of luck in a lot of these games, but the Jets actually have like a real roster with some uh, some good players. So it's been fun. I, I don't know that, you know, there's there's a long shelf life. I don't know that either of these teams can play deep into January, but uh, it, it's certainly a, a breath of fresh air compared to the seasons we've had in the past few years. Oh, certainly. God, would it be something if even one of those teams somehow snuck into the Super Bowl like Cincinnati did last year, playing down here in Glendale, Arizona, uh, pretty crazy year. You'll you'll definitely have to come down if that's the case, my man. <laughs> I think we would settle for one of the teams winning one playoff game, or even one of these teams getting into the playoffs. I think the Giants are in pretty good shape to get in. If you look at them, they're five and one. They still have games against the Jags, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Lions. Two games against Washington. They're probably going to find their way to like ten or eleven wins and probably get in. The Jets, I'm not sure, but I do think the Giants are headed for the playoffs, which is just uh, kind of a crazy thought. The Jets are playing on pure emotion right now, and, and you know they they keep they keep this up. They're gonna they're gonna sneak in the playoffs, you know. And um, it, it lot lots of season left, but here we are, week seven, and it, it's starting to kind of shake up here. You got plenty of data points now on a lot of these teams, and even Giants fans somewhat think they're fraudulent, but I have them as a average team. I have the Jets maybe a little bit of a below average team in my power ratings and in my rankings. So I, I think I'm pretty close on that and uh, no way to go, nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. And, and like we talked about, even average is a big step up from where they've been. And Hey, there's a lot of average below average teams with pretty good records. I mean, Minnesota, you look at Minnesota, none of their name numbers are very favorable, but you look up they're five and one. It's just uh it's a strange year. It's a strange league because there's two or three really outstanding teams. I would probably still put the Chiefs in that mix, even though they're probably down from where they've been in years past. Obviously, the Bills, the Eagles. Then you have two or three really crappy teams with your Bears. I think we got to put in that mix, even though they have a couple of wins. Um, you know, there's Houston. There's two or three, maybe four bad teams. Probably Washington in that mix. And then there's a whole bunch of okay teams. You got like 25 or 26 just uh, sort of right around, you know, there's no eight and eight teams anymore with the 17th game, but man, it's uh it's certainly like an eight and eight league. It really is. And I'll tell you this, um, for my bears, there's a reason I'm wearing a Nick Perdomo cigars hat because none of my teams are any good this year. My man, my Coveys suck. My bears are terrible. Um, I, I guess I'm a bulls fan, but I'm not that big of an NBA fan. So, I mean, we'll just see if they can inch into the playoffs. but then, you know, my badgers are bad. I, I'm a cigar fan right now. So I'm wearing my Nick Perdomo uh, cigar hat. I, I love the champagne cigars there. So a quick little uh, uh, shout out to Nick Perdomo. <laughs> yeah, I saw Levine is hurt already for the the Bulls, which is kind of a surprise. He's going to miss the first couple games. They could be like a surprise tanking team where, <laughs> hey, Levine's hurt. Let's shelf him, maybe trade Vucevic. And, you know, the seven foot four French elephant in the room is Webinyama. All these teams are going to be coveting him. And some of these teams that we think, that, you know, might be a playoff team, they might get a couple injuries early on and say, you know what? Maybe we're better off shutting it down, even though we only at best get a 14% chance of this kid. He's that good where we got to get every ping pong ball we can and try to get this kid. Let the tankathon begin, Will. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> it is it's going to be ugly. Hopefully we can make money off it, though. That's all that matters. Exactly. You always get these teams at the right time. That's what it's all about. Well, speaking about right teams at the right time, 
Um, I was worried about you. Uh, uh, the Yankees won at the right time, which was yesterday. I know the Mets were out, and I was thinking, man, they, they, I'm wondering what's going to happen. I'm not going to lie. It would have been nice to see the Cleveland Guardians obviously get in just based upon their salary cap and their names and everything. But it must have been a big relief for you to get the Yankees to this next series. Yeah, and I think it's good for baseball to see the Yankees, the Astros. It's kind of a rivalry. We don't have that many rivalries left in baseball. Uh, there's some bad blood. There's some history. So, man, I don't know how much. I know Cleveland would have been a nice story, but I don't know how much Cleveland versus Houston would have moved the needle. You have the Braves out, the Mets out, the Dodgers out. It's fun, this March Madness style of, of baseball we have in the playoffs now. It's fun to watch. It's fun to bet, but I don't know how you feel about it. I'm sort of a traditionalist. We play 162 games. We play every day for six months. And the regular season is really sort of watered down, just putting these extra teams in the playoffs, and it becomes uh, sort of a crapshoot once you get in the playoffs. So we've seen it so far here in October. Well, I love the NCAA tournament, of course. Me and too. It's a completely different thing because there's just too many uh, teams. But college basketball it plays 30 games a year. Yes. Uh, the NBA plays 82, and there's a seven-game series. Why the heck is there 162? It should be a 15-game series, if anything. Plus <laughs> – Plus NBA, you know, they put those seventh and eighth seeds in more often than not, unless those teams are injured and, and end up with an eighth seed because of an injury, those teams are just fodder for ratings and extra revenue. Like if the Sacramento Kings get a playing spot, they're not going to beat the Warriors. So uh, it's not a threat where you put, you know, I, I know people make that argument. Well, NBA puts all these teams in. Yeah, well, the, the lesser teams can't win. They probably put too many teams in the NBA and it's a waste of time. You don't really have the threat of an upset. Plus you play the seventh game. Baseball, I mean, you, look, you can put the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Astros on a field for, field for you know three games, five games. The A's could win. I mean, I think the Pirates swept the Dodgers earlier this year. A short sample in baseball really makes it a coin flip. So I don't feel too bad for these teams. It's decided on the field, but I just feel like you know when you have the Phillies, who are a third-place team, and the Mets and Braves battled it all summer for first place, uh, it's just what are we watching all summer for? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 always been my wonder, and I know purists don't want things changed, and I think that a lot of it's silly. I think there's a lot of things that could be improved on, but here the way it is, it's like it's a pastime. You know, the people say so. Yeah. That's why they say 162 games, but the playoffs don't justify the season. That's where you're really uh, getting in the weeds. I think seven game series. I'd rather have less teams in seven game series myself because you need more games to find out who's really better. Will. Maybe give these higher seeds all the home games, too, to give them more of an advantage. And you know what it is, too? This is the first year where that wild card round is best two out of three. I think these teams like the Dodgers, the Braves, they get a week off. They get rusty, and it sort of takes them a little while to, to get reset and you know get their hit, hit the ground running. And I don't know that they, order, you know, they ever catch their breath in, in these teams that win the wild card round. Of course, you know if you play in the wild card round, you could lose, so it's a disadvantage. But once you get to the next round, you get a little momentum. You're fresh. You're playing. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the best answer is, but it's uh, it, it's definitely you know something to talk about. Yes, for sure. Uh, who's pitching tonight, Jamison? Yeah, they're throwing Tyone, and it's obviously uh, it's Verlander for the Astros. And I think we got the National League game starting right now, Snell versus Nola. So uh, it's always fun when you get play, playoff daytime baseball. Oh, it is. It is. And I actually plan on turning that on as soon as we're done here. I uh, I think Houston's the play tonight. The Yankees had that tough one to get through. I, I, I don't know if you made any plays yet but that's what i lean it's so expensive though you're almost laying two dollars minus a dollar 90 i know it's not crazy to lay and if hey if they win the game six nothing you don't worry about laying a dollar 90 i don't know i don't know that the yankees are going to be as tired as everyone thinks they haven't played a lot over the last week or so between the week off the rain delays i think they can come in 
uh, the rain outs, I should say. I think they can come in here and treat this game sort of like house money. So, um, you know, look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros win tonight and win it comfortably. It's just it's sort of out of my comfort zone in terms of the price. All right, play play the play the run line then minus one and a half for the for the uh, minus one twenty or whatever it is. <laughs> what uh, what did you play Houston? What price did you get? I didn't play him. I didn't play anything okay. yet. I. I uh, I thought there'd be Yankee money coming in at some point, and I'll take a look at it. To be honest with you, I'm not that interested in making a play. I like watching a lot of these playoff games as a fan, personally. And uh, um, with some really bad Thursday football games and stuff, it makes it easier to watch some of these. Uh, definitely watch watch these uh, MLB playoffs as my number one TV and downgrade some of the other stuff, so that's for sure. But um, I think that uh, Houston is probably, you know, I guess slighted to win this series, but... Um, I think the Padres one is a lot interesting. I guess as a Schwarber fan, I kind of want to see Philly win, and I guess Bryce Harper deserves it too. The, the, does any guy making over three hundred bucks deserve anything? I don't know, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel for the guy. Is that okay? Boy, that ball Schwarber hit. I think that thing is still going. That ball was absolutely smoked last night. Yeah, they're fun. It's fun. It is fun to have new blood. Like uh, we can complain that hey, we're maybe we're not getting a representative champion with this sort of. Um, you know, you're picking out of a hat with this short round in, in terms of these small sample sizes, but it's fun to have the Padres, the Phillies. It is fun to have new blood, and I could see rooting for the Phillies. They, they got good pitching. They, you know, the bullpen scares you a little bit, but they have some power. And uh, Yeah, Schwarber and Harper really just smoked those balls last night. Yeah, they absolutely did. So we'll see if the Padres can bounce back today. Let's move in to some NFL Week 7 here, my man. And uh, – Lots of injuries so far, Will. I I feel like uh, it it really it's really hard to assign numbers to a lot of these injuries, especially when they start getting into the clusters. Well, actually, you know, I almost feel sometimes it's easier when there's clusters, but when when there's two here to this position group, two here, you have to really you get really deep in the weeds, and you're like, man, it also it almost feels like something you said to me a little bit earlier that these teams are a little bit closer together than they have been in the past, aren't they? Yeah, I don't. I look at some of these lines, and you get to six, seven. It's like, is anybody a touchdown better than anybody else? Unless you get to the real extremes, like I see these six and a half, seven point lines, and I think the numbers bear it out. Where these touchdown or more favorites have done really poorly against the spread, and yeah, these teams are just sort of all jammed together. And you get, you know, the refs have their impact, uh, turnovers. There's just so much randomness that goes on to, you know, put your money down and lay a touchdown or more than a touchdown in these games is, is super risky. Yeah, it's very risky. I agree. And uh, it's been killing people this year. Dogs are fantastic so far in the NFL this year. I've been talking about that. Teasers are going down hard. Usually those teasers, those long teasers, those advantage teasers are are usually very profitable. They have not been uh, you know, as profitable this year. They've actually been a disaster if you're playing – uh, just you know, by the system, by the numbers, they have not gone well this year. They have been an absolute disaster, my yes. man. So I completely agree with you there. Let's get into some games here. I'm going to use some FanDuel lines here. We got uh, the Saints versus the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are laying about two and a half. The total on this game is 43.5. Anything for Thursday night football, Will? Yeah, you've mentioned the Thursday night games have not been a thing of beauty. Neither of these teams have been a thing of beauty. I don't know. Uh, you mentioned college football. I think Cliff Kingsbury might be coaching on Saturdays next year. He might be coaching your Badgers or Auburn or somewhere. I don't know how long he's going to be there in Arizona. Boy, I think the Saints, we, we've mentioned teasers are a disaster. The Saints do look like a good teaser piece to go through the three, through the seven. In terms of just playing the game straight up, the Saints have a ton of injuries. I would 
I would lean towards Arizona here. Uh, you know, road teams on Thursday night, usually not a good play. Uh, a short week here for a beat up Saints team. I would lean towards Arizona straight up. Uh, you know, maybe you get a cheaper money line. I saw it was one and a half earlier. I'm surprised they've taken money, but I'm not shocked. I'm not dying to bet this game, but if I had to, I would lean towards uh, the, the home team in, in the Cardinals here. Yeah, Arizona took a little bit of money right before our show when Thomas and Landry were declared completely out. Obviously, Jameis Winston's not playing this game anyway, which I'm not sure if that's bad. I, I don't. Yeah, that's a wash. I think probably a wash. You you can have more extremes with Winston, more of an extreme loss or more of an extreme cover, uh, as if it, it, coming into a game. But uh, Dalton's been solid. I thought they outgained the the Bengals last week, so they kind of got burned on that Jamar Chase play at the end. I was really worried about my Bengals ticket. I was completely with the public on that one. I was one. I was like Jesus. You know, everyone's coming in on me on this one. Of course, I get it early, too. You know, then the public jumps on. But, you know, we survived it. And uh, others one, other ones, not so much. I think that the Cardinals are a bad team. And I think that the Saints are a good-ish team, but banged up, which kind of puts us in pick em territory. Not going to yeah. lie to you. I would, at plus three, I would consider in any side if I got plus three on the Saints or if I got plus three on the Cardinals, Will. Oh, yeah. If you're going to give me a three, uh, I will take the points here and just sort of plug my nose again. I don't love playing the road teams on Thursday night. At that two and a half, you're not really getting advantage with the points. Uh, the, the Cardinals has or, all sorts of kicking issues. Amendola, I think they waved, but boy, he was a disaster for the Chiefs. He was a disaster for the Cardinals. Uh, some of these kickers are really bad. I'm surprised he even got another gig with the Cardinals. He was so bad with the Chiefs. But yeah, if it gets to three, I'll probably jump in on the Saints. Otherwise, I'll probably end up passing with lean slightly to the Cardinals on like the money line. But if you give me a three, I'll, I'll probably grab the points. All right, let's move on to the Detroit Lions at the Cowboys. This thing's been kind of in stone for a few days. Minus seven. Total is 48 and a half. The big story here, Dak Prescott most likely coming back to the Cowboys. At least that's what it sounds like. Um, I thought that Cooper Rush did a pretty good job managing the game. But for all of us people that had the Cowboys plus six and a half last week, oh. you see how Cooper Rush at the very end of the game is oh. a backup quarterback and not a starting quarterback. You know, I know brutal, dude. That's course i bring up <laughs> a nasty beat like that it's just a coin flip we lost um i thought they should have got closer to kick a better field goal 59 yard field goal Ugh, that's just uh i, I mean at that point you just go for the fourth and ten i think mccarthy had the leg too I've, i can see that field goal in my dreams because i had i i had eagles on some teasers i had cowboys plus the point so that would have been right in the middle if that yeah. ball went through the uprights but of course it did not i think you said it well on rush where serviceable backup i think he got a little overrated just be based on the record they were winning games on defense turnovers he just sort of dinked and dunked and managed the game but once he got behind i think he got exposed a little bit last week at philly as far as this game i don't know last year when Dak came back from injury it looked like he came back too sooner he was just never uh, as good as he was before the injury if you're going to play dallas i can't lay the points here like i said i can't lay seven with pretty much anyone dallas on a teaser you can talk me into that but as far as the seven points, I gotta take Detroit here. They're not good as a favorite. They're not good when the line is low. But when they're a favorite, when, when they're a big underdog, they just have a habit of playing to the whistle, coming in the back door, uh, and covering these numbers. So uh, everyone seems to love Campbell. They're quietly now what one in three, one in four. I think they're one in four now. So maybe the bloom is off the rose there with Campbell. You know, everyone kind of had them as a sleeper team this year. It has not gone well. They're probably looking at one in five. So. Uh, that being said, I would lean towards the, the Lions plus the points here. Yeah, you know, it, it's like that, I guess, compare them to 
Michigan State, maybe <laughs> Michigan State actually had a much better year. But the Lions were covering the spread is kind of what I'm trying yes. to say last year. They're covering a ton of spreads, and now they're not. <clears throat> and, yeah, you're right. The honeymoon is over with Campbell because the Detroit press has been really hard on Campbell so far. But here's the thing that's kind of works for the Lions. After the bye, it's the home – or, sorry, the away dog that's the one that you like yes. to bet on, not Good the point. home dog. So that's – uh you know, a trend that Steve Fezzik talks about all the time, and one I definitely agree with because, uh, you know, what's the theory behind that? Because I've heard that that trend too. I just don't know what the reasoning is. I, you know, it's it's been a profitable trend. I'm not questioning that, and I know it's a uh, it's been one that worked. I'm just trying to think what the reasoning would be. You're more focused off the buy, you know, on the road. Yeah, I mean, on the road is not nearly as bad, minus maybe officiating. You know, it's almost better to get away from home and your kids. Yeah. These guys are in their 20s. You know, they're they're having babies, and there's a lot of distraction with that. There's a lot of waking up. And, it, it, I mean, <clears throat> I went through it all myself. But I also think that you're, you, feel of, you feel like you're more of an underdog. You're planning this road trip for two weeks. Almost like when you take the buy and you're coming home, you almost kind of expect, oh, we're playing at home. It's almost a mind thing, I think. And it's, of course, hard. I'm just speculating. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that could be it. Yeah, yeah, that's what that I would think. I would think it's just kind of your mind. You know, Detroit, uh, very bad on opponent yards per point, 12.6. That's one of the lower ones. Uh, and obviously, uh, they're decent on the uh Offensive yards per point, 14.7. But Dallas's defense has been fantastic, uh, minus the Eagles, of course, but 18.6 yards per point, and that's why they're favored. The thing is, is like now that Dak's coming back, is he going to feel a little bit of pressure? Like, oh, I better play better right. than Cooper Rush. My numbers are probably right on this thing. I have Dallas minus 7.5 without Dak. I guess I have to make a small adjustment, and I'll probably make it 8.5 with Dak. I just don't. I mean, because I'm in, I'm in the middle between seven and ten right now. But it's like you said, why would I go up to ten um, in a situation like this where Dak's coming back the very first week? It's a no play for me, buddy. Yeah, I could see a scenario where it's Detroit's down ten or thirteen late, and Goff is driving for the back door, and you either get in the back door, or you don't. I, I would think Dallas would win this game, and uh, Goff is usually better indoors. We saw him a couple weeks ago <laughs> outdoors against the Patriots, and it was not pretty. So. Uh, I think this is a scenario where Detroit's probably in range to get the back door at the end, and they either do or they don't. So, I would still lean towards the line just because they've had a habit of uh, of covering late. That's right, and I do believe you're a Vikings fan. But the next yeah. game that we want to talk, well, actually, before we get into the Giants, I see the Colts. The Colts versus Tennessee. This is interesting because this has kind of been the two and a half to three range ever since it kind of opened on um, on Sunday. You know, well, I guess reopened on Sunday. Call it. You know, you can always bet the future lines before that, which I do every once in a while. But uh, I'm curious what you have on this game. It feels like everybody's going to play a side in this. And I have my own thoughts. What, what do you got on this one? I like the points. I don't know if there's still threes out there. I think even at three minus 120, it's a good bet. I just have these teams dead even. I think it's a total toss up. I can't give three points a home field for Tennessee. It's more like a point, point and a half, somewhere in between there. So just based on the numbers, I would grab the points. The Colts lost in Indy a couple weeks ago to the Titans. Colts sort of, you know, had a good stat sheet, just didn't win the game, lost with turnovers. Ryan actually threw the ball pretty well last week because I was under the impression he was washed up and uh, he came back to beat Jacksonville, cover that number. It was a bad beat if you had Jacksonville. So I like the Colts plus the points. It's funny. Uh, after this week, they'll be done with the Titans because they played them 
twice already after this week. They've already played the Jags twice, and they've already played Houston once. Usually these division games are backloaded. This is a scenario where we're not even halfway through the season. They've played five of their six division games, but uh, I do like the Colts here plus the points. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They got their one-on-one versus the Jags. Did they beat Houston? I thought they beat. They tied. Oh, that's right. They tied Houston. That ugly game, that first game. And then, yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad. I almost feel like the Colts were great down the stretch last year. And I agree with you. I'm more of a points guy in this one. And I don't need to rush into this play, Will. And the reason is because everyone's going to see them coming off the bye on Saturday. And like, Titans off the bye at home under three. Holy cow, it's a gift. You know, it's that's what people are going to think. And I think there's a chance I might get a good three again. And and I do have multiple outs, but all my outs were literally in between the two and the three. It was like three minus one twenty-five, or or yeah. uh, two my two point five plus one hundred. You know, I I, I don't want to. I can I can have the patience. I don't see it going to two or one and a half unless some serious sharp money comes in. But this is just it feels like last year. But let's face it, um, the Colts at least still have good coach. I still like Frank Reich, and I think that Matt Ryan's better than Wentz. You better be, uh, you know. Right. And, and it's, I just feel it takes time to gel a little bit. One thing is that Shaq Leonard hasn't played. I expect he should be back this week. The only time he got to come back, he got that nasty concussion. But the Titans have a mag- a massive weakness on defense, allowing seven point nine passing yards per attempt and 4.5 yards per rush they're in the red for both of these categories net negative yards per play at minus 1.4 now the Colts have been bad on offense but I can see they're getting better and better Pittman's healthy now Colts have a better passing game I think Jonathan Taylor might play this week I have I can wait all day on this baby so let's wait on this will but I'm going to give a a big I'm going to say I'll play the Colts if I have to at minus 120 for two stars is that fair Absolutely fair, and this game will go a long way to deciding that division because uh, Jacksonville was everybody's darling a couple weeks ago when they were two and one. Not so much anymore. Titans have rallied to go three and two, which I'm surprised by because at zero and two they look dead to me. They look like a bad football team. But Vrabel's a good coach. He's rallied them. They're three and two. So, uh, w- winner of this game's in really good shape here to to win the division. At least be favored to win the division. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, Giants, Jags, and my numbers say to bet the Jags. Yeah, but there's something that these Giants are doing, and it's all through Coach Dayball. They have that energy at the end of the game. They they're they're dead to the Packers in London. Come back, something is going on. We're just at the end of the game. They are backdooring the hell out of all of these spreads. Can't is that sustainable? Probably not. But do I want to bet a team that's usually not a favorite laying points? with uh, a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence that seems to do well um, when he's happy, but when the team's doing bad, he's kind of sulking. It's tough for me to do this. I'm praying this goes back to two and a half. I I was too, uh, I guess, unsure seeing the Giants beating the Ravens, probably emotionally unsure to bet the Jaguars. If I could do it all over at two and a half, I would bet the Jaguars. But right now, it's a no play for me. Thoughts? I feel like a little bit of a sucker because we have the five and one team against the two and four team and the five and one is getting a field goal. I think Lee Corso used to say when there was a strange line like this, he'd be like, somebody knows something and I'm going with the somebody's and that would mean take Jacksonville. They're telling you, they're begging you, they're daring you to take Jacksonville. So I'm aware of that. I could only lean towards the Giants plus the three just because, like you said, this is a Jags team that's not used to laying points to anybody. Are they a field goal better than this Giants team with the coaching? Uh, you feel like this is a you know, one-possession game. I could see the Jags winning this game by a field goal. This three sort of looks right to me. 
At two and a half, I would lean Jags. At Giants, I w- at three and a half, I would take the Giants if we get a three and a half. At three, it would just be a lean towards the Giants. I could easily see this game landing Jags by a field goal. Fair enough. All right. Let me let me interject here. Though. Let me ask you this: If the Giants win this game, let's play out this scenario because I have a lot of tickets on Dable for Coach of the Year. If the Giants win, let's say they go eleven and six, but Sirianni goes fifteen and two, maybe even sixteen and one, which is not crazy if you look at that schedule. It's really easy for Philly. Who gets Coach of the Year? Is it Dable bringing this eleven win Giant team to the playoffs, or is it Sirianni at let's say fifteen and two? Let me throw another wrench into that. McDermott got screwed over for. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> and they gave it to Cleveland's coach who'd missed. Uh, yeah. uh, I think that it, let's just say the Bills have three losses. OK, we'll assume that because they're the best. I don't think you get it. They're the best team. If it's tied, it's 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 the voters are it's going to be tough. I would say you have to go with the Giants just because they had the um, the lesser expectation. That's what people love Dable. Everyone, you know, every, every story, you know, the first thing, like we talked about with Dable, everyone, the first thing you talk about with the giants is coaching, coaching. Oh, Dable's great. You know, he's a a portly guy. He's relatable. Everyone seems to like him. I don't know if that factors in, but it's going to be a fascinating debate. If Philly goes 15 and two and the giants are like 11 and six and look, their schedule is just pretty easy with two games against Washington, Jags, Seahawks, Lions. I mean, uh, the Giants have a real path here to get to 10 or 11 wins. It'll be fascinating for the coach of the year. The market seemed to think it's Sirianni. I think he's like plus 150, while Dable, you can get anywhere between four or five to one. There might have been a plus 650 the other day at one of the markets, one of the legal shops. So I think it's a good thought exercise. If you like the Giants this week, maybe just take a little Dable uh, coach of the year money. Well, going back to that Stefanski robbery of McDermott, let's get into the Baltimore versus Cleveland game. Baltimore's laying six and a half ish. It's kind of bouncing between six and six and a half. The total of this game is at 45.5. I mean, Baltimore's been leaking oil. They're bad in the secondary. They're very good um, in situations against the run. Cleveland has to run the ball. So I understand the, the spread here with Baltimore. I just, Here's the thing with Cleveland. They, they started out the season good, but you if you really look into the numbers, they had a very easy strength to schedule their first few right. games. And so people sniffed that out, and uh, you know they ended up losing last week, and um, they probably should have beat the Chargers, and they ended up screwing this up. But you know, from a pure numbers perspective, I'm not going to lie to you, I have this game more of a seven-point favorite, I believe, for the Ravens and this is just a you know it's efficiency algorithm is what I use so I'm not I'm not betting Cleveland this feels like a sucker play but yet it's a division game and what you said I'm with no teams are (laughs) are covering massive spreads man uh as favorites here so any play on this one yeah, the Ravens could easily be 6-0, and but guess what? They're not. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've had a really hard time closing out these games. They've gagged away game after game after game. If you do it once, all right, it's bad luck. It happens to everybody. Two, uh, all right. Now it's three times they've given games away, and they're up 20-10 to 10 on the Giants, and they just gave that game away. And uh, Lamar tends to struggle more so against division opponents because there's a familiarity, I think, Baltimore sort of a, a junk ball, an oddball offense where you see them once, they're hard to prepare for, different style, but you see them once or twice a year. You know, eventually you sort of uh, get a feel for it. So that would be an angle for the Browns. And 
look, I just don't trust the Ravens to close out these games. So it'll be Browns or pass for me. Baltimore number two in opponent rushing yards per game, allowing 84.5, but they're terrible against the pass. Baltimore against the pass uh, ranks 28th, allowing 267.7 passing yards. What do Cleveland need to do? They need to run the ball. I'm passing this game for now. But, I mean, this I might not even have like five side plays, but I might be forced to use Baltimore in the contest. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, next game, Falcons versus Bengals. And this is going to be a great game because the Falcons are the, the against the spread darlings at 6-0, and Will. So I'm wondering what you got for us on this one. Yeah, it's funny. It's sort of counterintuitive, but all things being equal, I'm looking to fade the team that's undefeated against the spread. I think there becomes a market overreaction. Now, maybe that's less the case because Atlanta is not a public team. They're not a really particularly good team. But I do think getting under a touchdown uh, is a little bit of value with Cincy. Again, I'm not dying to lay six, seven points with any of these teams. As we've seen, six has become more of a key number with more of these teams just randomly going for two. These teams down 14 going for two when they score a touchdown. Uh, so that six is a key number. No play for me, but I would actually lean towards the favorite here. Are the Bengals a good team or a great team? Oh, they're not a great team. They're they're a good team, but they're mm-hmm. flawed. I mean, the offensive line, I worry about Burrow taking too many hits. I think they, they, you know, they've got good players on offense. They've got a good defense. I'm not sure about the coach. I'm not sure about the offensive line. I do think the, the Super Bowl hangover is real. I'm not sure. Look, if Baltimore doesn't get hurt last year, I don't know if since he even wins the division and gets in the playoffs, but hey, they did, and they made a run once they got in there. So I would say I would say they're they're a good team, not a great team. Yeah, I say they're a good team, and I also say that Atlanta's not a terrible team. I think they're just a slightly right. a slightly bad team. And everyone says regression is going to happen. Well, you know how many burnt tickets are there for people saying regression is yeah. going to happen at Atlanta if you think you're paying them. I mean, Mario's been great with his legs so far, and the Bengals have struggled against uh, some mobile quarterbacks like Lamar and Mitch Trubisky. I think that the the Saints win that game had they had some receivers. They 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 struggled in the red zone and they settled for field goals. You know, they outgained the Cincinnati Bengals here. Um, Atlanta's still pretty healthy, and they got Kyle Pitts and Drank London. They got the tall guys, you know, and and having guys like that sure gives your not great quarterback like Mariota, a, a much bigger window of error to throw those passes. I took the Falcons six and a half, and um, I, I just think that the both teams play close games. You know, yeah. uh, the Falcons, uh, I think their biggest loss was to Tampa by six points, which is really what this spread is. And uh, the Bengals, uh, four of their six games were very close, to, uh, decided by a few points or less. Now, I know they did beat Miami well at home. Miami was on a backup quarterback. But it's like you said, man, there's a lot of points here in this NFL. And I I don't look at the Bengals as a great team. I like the Falcons down to six, but that's it. I'm going to take them for two stars. Yeah, it's uh, it, it'd be boring for me to just come on here and say, hey, all these games are close. Take the points. So I wanted to mix in a favorite. I'm not looking to bet the Bengals. If I was going to bet a favorite, I do think the Bengals could have sort of a breakout game. And look, you're not going to go 17-0 against the spread. So uh, I know what you mean about the burnt tickets. Eventually, they're going to not cover a game. So uh, not a great feel, but I would lean towards the Bengals. I do feel like I missed an opportunity because I forget what show I was on with during the summer where we were talking about the Falcons. And their win total was either four and a half or might have been four. And I was like, wow, are we getting to the point where – 
four wins. Like you have to get to three to lose this ticket. Even four is a push. Mariota is a guy who's a number two pick in the draft. He won a playoff game. It's not like this is a guy who's a, uh, you know, Nathan Peterman. So that's a missed opportunity. They're probably going to win their six or seven games. It's not impossible. They flirt with the playoffs. So yeah, they're a, they're a fun team. They've been uh them in Seattle have been sort of pesky teams here a little better than we would have thought. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. I, Go back in time. I went to bet Seattle under five and a half or whatever it was. Jesus, that yeah. thing's going to be toast. Uh, my Bears one's still alive, though, under six and a half plus money. I, I think I'm still. Last I, week was a big one. Last, last week was, was big, big because one. they got that yes. win they shouldn't have against San Fran, but now they a team, a game they should have won against Washington, they lost and they're two and four. I'm feeling good about it. And now that. they might not get another one for a long time, if ever. They might be stuck on that two for a while. It's going to be brutal, man. Uh, here's an easy game because we're passing on it it's the packers at the washington commanders i upgraded the commanders when heineke was announced playing he's better than wentz i saw him last year but i mean the commanders are terrible on offense and the bears outgained by over 170 yards last game will and they still lost because there's just the bears in the red zone they're terrible but but this should have been like a, a a massive win for the bears yet the packers Leaking oil all over. Now, Rogers' favorite buddy, Randall Cobb, is out, you know, and I guess Sammy Watkins might have a shot at playing. I know he's practicing this week. I think he can come off IR, but the Packers are, are just looking bad, and uh, this is still over three, so ugh. it went from five and a half to four and a half. Pass. I'm totally with you. I want ne- I-, I want no part of either of these teams. Um, it's a sad state of affairs in 2022, and Randall Cobb is a big part of your offense, and you can't aff- you can't replace him. The-, the Packers have done a terrible job just uh, arming Rodgers with weapons here. He- you know he- they have just they don't have guys that can get open. Uh, meanwhile, Washington with Heineke, I think he's probably a-, a little better than Wentz. I'd be curious if I'm a Washington fan. Do I- do I really want to go the Heineke route? Do I want to see what Sam Howell can do? He looked good in the preseason. Uh, but again, I don't want really much to do with either one of these teams, uh, so I will pass this one. All right. Well, here's an, here's another one, and this fits the trend of after the buy away dog, Houston Texans plus seven minus one twelve here. A little bit of push towards <sighs> that. Uh, Raiders minus seven. Here's my problem. I, I saw Josh McDaniel light a fire up under these Raiders asses, and it worked out that week. And they should have beat the Chiefs. They completely blew that. That Devont- that Devontae Am catch was just really it. Um, but they're playing. They're 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 playing good. A car is when he's got when he's motivated. He looks really good. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. I am not a Lovey fan. I am not on Lovey's side. I just can't. I, I totally understand the Texans money coming in. I think there should be more Texans money coming in, probably. But it's just this game is just not for me. So, what are your thoughts on this one? This is another pretty easy pass. I'll, I could probably tease the Raiders with something. I'd be surprised if the Raiders lost this game. This is pretty much playing for their season. They're better than the record. They're better than the Texans. They're home. Again, I'm just not late, in the habit of laying seven with anybody. So uh, throw the Raiders in a teaser with maybe the Saints, maybe the Cowboys. But as far as straight up with the seven, uh, I'm not touching it. I don't even like the Raiders in the teaser. <laughs> just because You think the they Raiders. could lose this game? Boy, that'd be yes, a disaster if yes. they lost this well, game. Well, Houston because, you off know the what? bye. It's off the bye, man. I... I, the, the way team off the bye, it's just been really good. I, they're motivated. Um, Mills isn't that bad. The Raiders just throw up on themselves sometimes. Um, you know what it is? It's regression from last year. They won four overtime games, and that was just they got totally overrated by by luck in close games last year. Is Adam suspended this game? 
I don't think so. Okay, okay. That's good. I hated what he did. I hated people defending him. You know, he, oh, it was an honest mistake. That was not an honest mistake. That was oh, a bad look the way pissed. he threw that yeah. guy down. I hated that. Yeah, at the same time, with what are people doing getting that close to him, too? It's just very strange how this whole thing yeah. always finds its way working out here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know he's going to get punished. You, I just don't know when. But, yeah, don't, don't, do not defend that crap. Uh, next game, we have the Denver Broncos hosting the Jets. Now, I didn't bet this game. I should have. I mean... The Jets were three and a half before the game. <laughs> you know, it, it's wow. just been sitting there. It's just uh, you know, kind of going down. I saw three and a half on Sunday, then three, then two and a half, then two. Now the thing's like close to a pick. I'm at Broncos minus one. Super ugly total of thirty eight point five. Will I have to lean the Broncos here? I hate to. Um, Russell Wilson is desperate now in this situation, and the Jets have another road game after a massive win. I mean, puts them in that psychiatric letdown spot. That's never a guarantee. You don't know if teams are going to let down. It's just something to look at to give you a little extra oomph and you're either staying away or playing a game. I mean, to be completely honest, metrically, I think I have this as a close to a pick. Um, Jets minus 0.1 is my number. But what gives here? I mean, I know that the Broncos are hurt on the offensive line some, and, and it really shows, but I they also have a lot of talent. So I'm going to pass, but I wish I took the Jets. Yeah, I mean, we, we heard all summer, all spring about this Jets great draft class, and, you know, is it really going to make an impact right away? I don't care how good these kids are as rookies. Are they really going to make an impact? They're really good. Wilson, the wide receiver, Hall, Sauce Gardner looks like a generational talent at cornerback. They've got some real players for the first time in a while. This isn't a bad roster. Denver's a mess. Like you said, though, are we at the point now where they're a pick them at Denver? I can't get there. Maybe I would play an under. The Jets have really uh, sort of won around Zach Wilson. I think he was like 10 of 18 for 99 yards last week where, you know, if you lose the game and your quarterback is 99 yards passing, everyone wants him out. But if he wins the game, people go, oh, he managed the game. He didn't turn it over. I don't know how sustainable that formula is. Uh, I would lean towards an under here, but as far as the side, uh, you got you can have it. I'm not interested. That's a great point. 99 yards, misleading. Ugh. They they actually tied the Packers in yards, but that's how bad that game was. Um, yeah, it's an ugly one. But like I said, one I might not bet and have to use as a contest play. Uh, Seattle versus the Chargers. Chargers minus six and a half ish. It's kind of getting close to six here. The total of this game is high. It's at 51.5. Now, I was a sucker last week and bet the over in the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. And it that felt, must have been fun. Oh, it, the field goal, field goal. It made my ugly this Monday in my show. Um, it watching a field goal fest of two teams. It, it felt like I was watching like FIU, uh, versus North Texas or something like two teams that are super fast playing yet can't do anything competent. You know, you know, that, going nowhere fast, <laughs> going nowhere fast. Exactly. That's what it was. And um, I still can't bet an under in this game. My numbers are actually ridiculous at like 58 points or something. But it doesn't mean I can get to the window. Uh, the Chargers should be able to score at will. Big spot for them. I almost think the Chargers could be a teaser leg myself. Something's with this Seattle team, though. And I lean to the Seahawks. Just because Geno Smith is making something happen there, it's almost like they're playing with that like same thing that Atlanta's doing, just that underappreciated vibe, you know. And it's working out for them. 
and they can put up points. They they can't stop anybody, but they can put up points. What are your thoughts? I like Seattle. I think Seattle will score on them. I think we're at the point now with Gino where it's not just a good story, but he's actually pretty confident. You know what? He was a, a relatively high pick. Remember his senior year of college, there was thoughts he might be the first pick in the draft. He dropped to the second round, played okay for the Jets, wasn't great. Then he sat on the bench and look, you know, guys can learn, guys can, uh, you know, I- improve. And I think the league has sort of come back to him where his passing style sort of fits the league now. And uh, that's a competent offense with Metcalf, with Lockett. Um, Look, I just I can't lay the points here with the Chargers. The Chargers do not look well coached. I know everyone wanted to crown Staley as the next basically uh, Vince Lombardi because he went for it on every fourth down, which, look, I love the aggressiveness, but now he doesn't go for it on fourth down. Once in a while he does. He's just sort of all over the place. The Chargers don't push the ball as great as Herbert is. They don't push the ball downfield at all. They were very lucky to win that game the other night. It was all dink and dunk, and if that kid doesn't muff the punt, they're not going to win the game. They're, they're lucky to tie at best, so – I can't lay this kind of number with the Chargers. There's no home field for the Chargers. Uh, give me Seattle plus the points. All right. Yeah, I definitely, definitely side with you on that one. Uh, Kansas City versus San Francisco. Um, ugly, ugly. San Francisco's massively injured, but this is the old Super Bowl revenge tour for San Fran. Uh, you know, I heard a stat of San Fran after they're, uh, they stay in the East Coast. They come back and they... Yeah tank but this is a different situation because they usually win in both games on the east coast now that they lost to atlanta it really throws that whole uh ats poor record out the window for me i'm gonna lean san francisco i mean i've seen enough of the chiefs without their secondary this could be just a mahomes special is bosa playing if bosa's not playing i'm just gonna lean the chiefs but that's i think this is a good spread what are your thoughts yeah, this is a, a pass, at least on Wednesday. If you get a little more clarity on the injury report, maybe you could make a decision. But, boy, that's a that's a grim injury report for San Francisco. Like you said, it's a bad spot for them coming off the East Coast, two trips. But it's a bad spot for Kansas City coming off you know a game where they just they went down to the wire against Buffalo, really had their chances to win that game. Uh, at three, sitting here on Wednesday, it's a pretty easy pass. I think it's the right number. should be a fun game. All right, it should be a fun game. Let's move on to this Massive game between the upsetters of the Tampa Bay Bucks and everybody's survivor pools. The Pittsburgh Steelers plus seven at the Miami Dolphins minus seven. This is the first play I made on Sunday night. I laid minus six with the Dolphins. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? There's only one way this isn't going. The Steelers had their fun last week. And um, they're still with a lot of third string guys, second string guys playing this game. Mitch Trubisky might be playing uh, did you get an update on the picket trubisky thing i i haven't um, it's murky as of now i thought so and i i don't care who's playing here miami with tua yeah. is going to come back explosive they're really keeping up with the vikings with a terrible quarterback play skylar thompson started then teddy bridgewater actually looked better and uh it, it two is better than these guys they play with a lot of hype when two was in uh, like a new energy, you got just too much talent at the receiver position that to beat these corners. Just because Tom Brady's party and ass at Robert Kraft's wedding uh, can't win against the Steelers doesn't mean that two is not going to do it here in Miami. I laid it with six, and even at seven, I would, but not as much. So, what are your thoughts on this? <clears throat> Again, uh, not to repeat myself, but I just hate laying seven. But if there's one where I do it, I probably would here. Dolphins need this game like blood. Hey, life comes at you fast. They were 3-0 10 minutes ago, and you look up, they're 3-3. and If you go to 3-4 and in the AFC, boy, you're in big trouble. We know they're probably not winning that division anyway. It's wild card at best. Uh, this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs, hasn't had playoff success in a long time. I mean, it's, I think, 2000, 2001, 
2001 or year, I think it was year 2000, the last time they won a playoff game. They've only been there once or twice since. Uh, this is a huge game for them. And again, Hill and Waddle against a beat-up secondary. Miami should be able to move the ball. Tomlin's been great as a big underdog, but he usually doesn't back it up with another great performance the next week. So uh, I would expect Miami to win this game. I could see Miami winning this game, you know, by 10 points or so. They could turn Pittsburgh over. They could make big plays on offense. Worry a little bit about Tua and the time off. You would think now with everything that happened that they're not going to bring him back until he's completely 100%. You know, here's how I look at it. He's probably 100%, and then they wait a week or two just so they don't look bad because, boy, if he ever got hurt again, it would just be a bad situation for everybody. So uh, long story short here, I, I will lay it here with Miami. Begrudgingly lay the points. Begrudgingly lay it, and I agree with it. Chicago Bears, my oh, Chicago boy. Bears at the New England Patriots. Patriots are laying seven and a half, and it's creeping up to eight. I would not shock me if this thing got to nine and a half. If it got to ten, holy cow. I hate this spread. I hate that the Patriots played an easy game against Cleveland. I have no idea if Mac Jones is playing. I assume he should be getting close to back, but I almost think that just almost takes away some of the momentum of the Patriots. The Bears... Come on, I got Zappy 100-1 to 1 to win Rookie of the Year. Let's leave Zappy in a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Well, I mean, that's a great play, but is Mac that injured? That's what you need this year. You need him out. I don't think they have the balls to put a new starter in, but it is Belichick, and he did with Brady, so you never know. <laughs> uh, I can't play this. Um, I know who moved the line from 7 to 7.5 uh, when it happened, but... Um, I, I just I think that the Bears with ten days of rest after outgaining that it, it, Justin Fields is just such a wild card. If he could actually have a good game and have some they, they just cut Smith Marset from the Bears, which says, "Hey, you drop a pass, you're out." It almost kind of lights a fire on them. Everybody's going to be on the Patriots this game. I just I lean the Bears, and I hate to do it, but. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's a cop out, but Patriots are a good teaser leg. I can't see a, a one dimensional team like Chicago doing well against Belichick with extra time to prepare. Belichick, if there's one thing he does, it's take away your right hand, make you play to your weakness. The Bears have plenty of weaknesses, blocking, throwing a forward pass. Uh, I would look at a total here because I think Belichick probably looks at this like, look, as long as I don't turn it over, I have a rookie quarterback. As long as I get to 17 points, I'm going to win this game. So, you know, third and long, we can hand off. Let's not be too, uh, you know, daring on offense. I would look at an under. I would look at a Bears team total under. Bears team total under, I didn't. Look at it just now. I don't know if you have it in front of you. I saw 14 and a half the other day. Barring turnovers by New England, I don't see how the Bears get over 14 and a half points. So Bears team total under, game under. Should not be a thing of beauty on Monday night. Hopefully there's a, there's a baseball game for us to watch. <laughs> Hopefully there is a baseball game. No, I did not see the team total. And uh, what did you say? It was 14? 14 and a half I got under the other day. Okay. Well, any special teams or defensive touchdown ruins it, but um. <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> unless unless the, unless the defensive touchdowns worth 15 I, i'm live pretty much the whole game i don't know here's my problem i was down on the patriots this season really me too um, but they're I, not bad yeah okay all right well here's the thing my number is probably patriots favored let me look at my actual number i mean i mean situationally i, I the bits the bear i have the patriots minus 8.1 so um it's like at seven and a half, it's no play, but situationally, it, it leans Chicago just from that. But you're right. I don't, I don't know how the Bears are going to start Ramondre Stevenson. I think Ramondre Stevenson is probably your best fantasy running back uh, this year if you play fantasy football this this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Patriots, their updated season win total is like eight and a half. Sounds like you're more down on them than I am. I just think, you know, from everything I've read, Belichick really likes this team, his defense. 
Uh, it's sort of an underdog team that he likes. And look, I mean, they could have won in Green Bay. I know you can say this for all these teams in the NFL, but uh, you know, week one they lose to Miami. They, that game was more even on the stat sheet than the final score indicated. They lost the game in Green Bay. That could have gone either way. I'm trying to think of who their other loss was against. But you know, I was with you a couple weeks ago. If you would have had me on, I would have said, look, this Patriots team's headed for a top 10 pick. There's no talent. They're not exciting. But you look up, they're uh, they're not that bad. It's almost a little bit like last year. Remember last year, I think they were one and three. And before you look up, before you know it, you look up, they won seven in a row. And look, they weren't like a contender, but they were the one seed middle of the year. This is, uh, look, we, we know Belichick's a great coach. You don't need to have me on to tell you that, but uh, it's a pretty good defense. They can run the ball. They're well coached. Uh, they're not a great team, but they're, uh, they're I, I think, at least competent. All right. Well, there you go. Man, that is a big slate of NFL games. You did a fantastic job, as usual, Will. Really appreciate it. We're out of time. But where could our viewers and listeners get your great information? I will be on Sunday mornings, 11 Eastern, twitch.tv slash Network. We are breaking down all the NFL games, sort of like you and I just did now. I'm on throughout the week on Twitch uh, with, with shows like that and vsin i'm on three or four times a week so uh this was fun man always always appreciate you having me on hopefully uh hopefully we can win some money this week let's win some money make sure you check out will hill at not the will hill now it's time for a little ufc 260 with our guest lou finicaro now i'm very excited to welcome back a man whose mma knowledge and experience is second to none in the sports betting industry very happy to welcome back Mr. Lou Finicaro from GamLou.com and the Bout Business Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at GamLou. Gam, thanks for coming back on the show, man. How exciting is this event, UFC 280, coming up? Well, first, Kiev, thank you for having me back. I love your podcast. You do great work. Uh, this is the marquee event of the ufc year we've got really excellent fights some great stylistic matchups a couple guys really don't like each other and some intriguing lady matchups it should be just a fire fight of a ufc fight card yeah yes it should be complete fire and you know what's funny is that i look at the college football slate and it's a bad slate this week and it makes me wonder if this was somewhat planned because last week you had the Bama, Tennessee, Michigan, Penn State, USC versus Utah. It's a terrible weekend for college football. It's kind of perfect for UFC. It seemingly is. That said, for guys like you and I, we got to know that these fights are in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. 6 a.m. Pacific time, they're dropping the puck. So it's not a normal fight card in that we're going to be drinking lattes and watching left hooks. <laughs> That's right. And college football starts early, too. So it's funny that, uh, uh, you know, it's a nice early card. But I'm going to be focused more on UFC 280, to be honest with you. Nice little break for me. And, of course, you know, I'm a big college football guy, but this is just too important. This is, I think, the best UFC event of the year, if I might say so myself, just with the strength of this card. Surely agree. Can't wait. There's really uh, originally 14 scheduled fights. We're down to 13 now. But I'll tell you what, uh, in my estimation, eight are bettable, and I'm trying to boil it down to just four or five if I can. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that or not. Well, we'll find out in the Bout Business podcast that comes out on Friday, Lou. Before we get into some UFC, 
I'm I want to talk a little bit about your passion for the NHL, my man. I see you tweeting about it. I know how much you love hockey. I love it. I love it. And uh I want to see if you have any pre-flop plays coming into this season. I do. I usually will try and take a couple recreational Western teams, Campbell, Eastern teams, Wales. Uh, I do that based primarily not on any due diligence that I perform going into the season, rather on my recollection and uh, take backs of what happened the year before and what I saw through free agency. Uh, Really, I try and attack hockey after the first of the year. I'd like to see half the season go by, get some data, and then it's it's watch only for me until the playoffs. But to get to your question, uh, I've always been a big Daryl Sutter fan. Uh, Excuse me, let me repronounce that. Daryl Sutter fan. That's a big mistake there in the hockey world. Uh, He uh, brought me great accolades when uh, Jonathan Quick and he uh, took the LA Kings in 02 to the cup. And since then, I've been a, a big disciple of his. That's a guy that if he can get his team to the postseason, always has a chance, and that's because he plays strong goaltending, strong defense, and, oh, by the way, if they can score a goal, great. But in the West, I took a little Calgary. I took a little Edmonton. Edmonton's not my typical team, but after what they did last year with that coach, new coach coming in, I think they'll be able to address some of the defensive shortfalls and try and make a better run this year. Uh, against Calgary, Colorado, and some of the other teams in the West. In the East, uh, it was Florida that I settled on. Now, I've been a Carolina fan the last couple of years. I'm now convinced Brindamore and his group just aren't going to get it done. Now, please don't save this tape because in six months, it's probably going to be Brindamore and the Hurricanes that are going to be there. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) uh, But it's Florida that I took a look at. They got close. They came in overly hyped and they laid a huge egg. And so for that reason, I leaned to them a little bit. And the other one, quite honestly, one that I like a little is the Rangers. I think I might've got them at 20 or better to one. Uh, that's a team that really overachieved last year. They're built from the goal out, and I look for uh, a definite playoff run from the Rangers. And if they get in there with Shesterk and that goaltender, they're a threat. So small wagers, I won't even look at them until after the first of the year, but they're there, and uh, it, it should be a fun hockey season once we once I get there. But it's – I think there were two games in to the season right now. That's right. It just started. No, great stuff. Thank you for those looks and some of those plays and some of that good information for the NHL season. Let's get into a little UFC 280. And I, you know, this main event, I want to get to it last, but I am so excited for it. I've been waiting for this for years. Uh, Charles Oliveira versus uh, Islam Makachev. And a lot of people have been saying different things. This uh, line's been going all over the place. But before we get into this amazing main event here, let's take a look at the undercard. Let's look at the prelims a little bit here. Um, I'd like to just have you kind of pick one or two that you might like um, and see if you have a play for our listeners. I have one myself. Let's see if they we fall on the same side. Well, I will say this, for a Russian, Tahugov fighting the Brazilian Almeida, uh, 
Tuhugov's not the typical Russian vice grip we normally get. Uh, he's not quite, I think, the caliber of fighter we're used to seeing from most Russian uh, athletes. And the kid that he's fighting, Almeida, 14 wins, all 14 by finish, nine in the first round. Uh, Almeida's a dog, and he might be an interesting one. But more importantly, yes, undercard. I was taken directly to Chow by Baralho, please excuse the pronunciation, the Brazilian in another Brazilian-Russian uh, face-off. Mahmoud Muradov is the opponent for Baralho. Uh, Muradov uh, has been relatively uh, inactive. The Uzbeki fighter uh, in 2020 lost to Brad Riddell in a competitive fight. Then, uh, most recently, in 2021, beat Andrew Sanchez, lost to Gerald Mearshart. Uh, and that, right, that fight right there is kind of the red, the red light to me. Uh, Mearshart, somewhat inadequate striking, but really great deft submission game. Uh, Muradov, very well-rounded, but obviously Uzbeki fighters are going to come with really great sambo and wrestling. Uh, the time off worries me. He's going to be four inches the taller man, three years older. Uh, and though he's a plus 170, plus 180 right now, I just think that this is the other man's fight to lose. Baralo is on an amazing run. He's finishing everyone he gets in front of. And while this fight, I think, will be a finish, this is going to take uh, Chow Baralo into the second or third round to best Muradov. I don't bet favorites often, uh, but I did bet Baralo. And not only that, Kiev, I'm going to brag later on about what great CLV I have on some of these fights. I'll come clean on this one. I bet Chow at minus 220, and he's lower than that now, so listeners can get a little better price than I. You know, I am with you, and I'm surprised that line went down. I thought the Armin Petroisen, uh victory should have you know kept him up pretty high i understand i guess some of the money in a way i disagree with it but i understand the mahmoud miradoff money coming in just based upon his just his his maybe they say this is a hiccup against mirshart but he did really well in the ufc and all these other smaller federations before i mean if you look you see it's all green right here but at the same time I almost have a rule that anyone that loses to Mearstart is a very questionable bet coming up for me in the future. You know, I know Mearstart has been better since he switched here. Um, I, I thought he moved up to a different team, and you know a little bit more about that. But in my opinion, um, it's Chow all the way. I think Chow is going to kind of rise up here um, in this middleweight class here. So. Uh, I'm I'm on Chow as well, and I'm a little shocked that we don't have the line value, but I'm okay with it. This is one of those that I circle for a potential parlay play as well if I get that far, depending upon the weigh-ins. So I am completely with you on this one and agree. Yeah, no, no question. Should be a great fight to me if you're on the Muradov side. You're trusting that he's been in the gym and improving during this time off. But yet, you got a little rust, time off, and meanwhile, this other kid's been busy, and he's been fighting, and he's been rolling. So we'll take it, uh, you know, as it falls. 
Let's take it as it falls. And what's really interesting is what I just said, Petroisian, he's actually fighting earlier in this card. If Petroisian makes easy work of A.J. Dobson as a minus 220 favorite, I think that just favors Chow a little bit more in people's minds. So, uh, yeah, Petro- go ahead. Excuse me. Petroisian may be the other side of the parlay for Baralho, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to go with Vulcan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. And I'm going to I I'm liking the dog here and here's why. Here's I think the, I think uh, Krylov is the favorite for one good reason and that reason is, you know, the grappling game, you know, the the ground game. If uh these fighters are ranked pretty similar to me, I actually have them both as tier 2 fighters where and where I rank them. But if you look at some of the other rankings like in Tapology and some of those sites Lou, um they do have Uzdemir ranked higher. Both these very good strength to schedule for these guys. These guys have fought some very legit fighters here, but they've lost to the best. Um, Vulcan, I think, is going to have the edge, obviously, in the stand-up from a technical perspective. Krylov is going to be the ground guy. But I, I'm not so sure that uh, Vulcan's going to stay on his back here. One thing I noticed about Uzdemir is he's gotten smarter. Since he fought Paul Craig, I thought it was a very smart way of doing that fight. I, I, I admit I thought I had... I thought Paul Craig would have an option to uh, submit him, but he just kept getting off Craig. Craig's trying to sucker him in uh, to a submission, and he kept backing off and ended up winning the fight by decision because it was very easy. I also thought that he could have knocked Craig out, uh, and he had some opportunities to do that. But the big thing for me is I'm looking at his takedown defense. Uzdemir's takedown defense is 86%. Krylov's accuracy for takedown is only at 35%. So I think that this fight could stay standing. And if it stays standing, Uzdemir's going to win this. Two very close guys. I'm going to take the dog at one plus one thir- uh, 145, Lou. I think your synopsis is spot on. I like Uzdemir in the fight, primarily based on the fact that who he's been in with. I mean, sure, he lost to Ankalaev. Where is he? right at the top waiting for a title shot. Prochaska, he beat Ratchet, uh, lost to Reyes. Listen, uh, Uzdemir has had great improvements since he was able to leave his camp uh, where he was training alone and move into Sweden and start training with Chemaev and Alexander Gustafsson and the like. He did that before the Paul Craig fight, and we saw the results. Uh, Krylov probably does have an advantage on the ground here. Surely he's the, a little bit more well-rounded fighter, but he's nondescript. He's not excellent at anything. He's very, very solid at everything. And I think Uzdemir, based on who he's been in with and his focus is going to be too tough to take. And I think he's a live dog, just as you pointed out. Awesome. Glad to hear that we are on the same side on this fight. Anything else in the prelims before we get to the main card, Lou? You know, there's a, there's so much rich fodder in the main card that that I'm going to really <laughs> concentrate there outside of the two fights we've discussed. And I, I probably am not going to play the Almeida. I want to keep uh, favorite positions to a minimum, but I wanted to highlight that because the Russian Tahugov is not what people think. And I did look at that Almeida fight, and I put him down as a lean as well. So I'm going to dig deeper, watch the weigh-ins, and make my decision a little bit later as well on that one. Let's move on to the main card then. Starting out the bottom, two of these lady fighters, very good. Caitlin Chu Kagan versus Manon Fiorit. And I I always call him Fiort. Uh, I never pronounce her name well, so I apologize. But um, the... Uh, 
Manon is a minus 210 here against a very good Chukagan that is plus 175. Lou, I used to bet on Chukagan. I've done pretty well. She's 18 and four. Uh, she's a scrapper. Uh, she's always seemed to, I, I guess, kind of beat fighters that she shouldn't in a way. I, I, that's the way I've always looked at her. She's bigger than you think. 5'9". She's got a decent reach here of 68 inches to Manon's 65 inches. I mean, looking at their strength of schedule, I almost feel like Caitlin gets the nod in that. But then again, Manon is 9-1. and one. Anything on this one? A lot of interest here. Uh, now, I'm going to pronounce the name different. That doesn't mean it's correct. Firo, the French woman, tons of power, and she just looked devastating. But... She looked devastating against two nondescript Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters that had not a lick of striking. Now she gets in with a long, tall drink of water that's long on high-caliber UFC experience. Last time Chuk got in against a real power striker was Andrade, and she got finished, but Andrade finishes more than just Shukagian. Uh, I think that was a real excellent learning experience for her that prepares her for this fight. I'm going to call this the PhD and MMA fight because I do think Shugagian with her movement, with her length and with her absolute lack of power, she's a decision fighter. In fact, of her 18 UFC wins, 15 have come by decision. So uh, she's a pitter patter. She doesn't have power. She ain't going to finish Firo. But I like the over in the fight, and I also like Chikagian as a dog in the fight. Yeah, there you go. The over, probably highly juiced, I would imagine. I usually check out best fight odds um, just to see a lot of my options here, and I recommend anybody else uh, use this site as well. Over two and a half rounds is minus 380 and goes to decisions minus 350. So this is definitely oh, would be a parlay piece, I would think, um, if anything. Uh, I would almost say the just take the go as the decision. And if you like the dog here, picking her to win by decision wouldn't be the worst look in the world. Um, I'm going to try to pull it up here. There's that's a- where I'd steer you. That, I, I love what you're where where you're going with it. I think that's exactly where I would steer it as well. And quite honestly, uh, if you are the French, if you are on the side of Firo. Uh, to take the fight to go inside the distance w- wouldn't be a bad consideration. That's how she fights, and that's what she's going to try and do is take Chukagian out. Uh, the issue is in, in being that aggressive and forthright and forward-pressing, she leaves herself totally set up for Chukagian counter shots. Yeah, there you go. Chukagian by decision, plus 250 here. Looks like FanDuel, plus 240 at DraftKings, so very good look, very nice plus money to throw a half unit on there if you decide to make that call. Let's move on to the next fight here, Benil Dariush versus Mateus Gamrot, and I'm going to be honest, I have a play on this one. I'm not sure if it's going to line up with yours, though. We'll see. I'll let you start out here, Luke. Well, a a few weeks ago when the line came out, I was a little surprised and jumped on the podcast with a Dariush uh, recommendation. And as you and I know, Kiev, we've talked about fights before and early in the week, I'll say, I think this, and then by Thursday, I think something completely different. And that's what happened in this fight. In fact, after releasing Dariush three weeks ago, 
it last week I actually on the podcast asked my listeners to go ahead and take Gamrot. We lose 20 cents in the negotiation, but now I'm back to a clean slate. And I actually do like Gamrot in this fight. I like the fact that he's down in Florida training with a bunch of killers. I like the fact that he's been active. Uh, I'm not so certain that he beat Armin Sarukian in the last fight, but he got the decision. It was a close fight, and he looked impressive. Further, I have friends that have cornered uh, both uh, against both fighters, Gamrod and Dariush. They were relatively firm in their position on this. And for that reason, I do think Gamrod is the right side. How I'm going to use him just yet, whether it's maybe inside the distance uh, or uh, just straight up, I'm not quite sure. But I do think the Polish fighter Gamrot has an advantage over Dariusz. Age, he's youth, he's been more busy as well. Dariusz has been off, uh, no fault of his own. A lot of guys are ducking him. He's overcome a little bit of uh, injury here and there. But I just think that it's going to be Gamrot's going to be too much for Dariusz. So you guys, so you know, some guys that cornered with both these guys with Dariush too. I I uh, talked to someone that cornered against Dariush and against uh, Gamra. Okay, one thing with Dariush is that he's he kind of changed a little bit in his career and, and it has gotten significantly better. Unfortunately, he's been under some bad luck, missing a couple fights. His last uh, few been set up, and he hasn't. So now. His last fight was way back against Ferguson back in May 15th of 2021. Now, that worries me for a little bit of ring rust, possibly, you know, coming into this fight. Oh, this is tough for me. I'm a I'm a Dariush fan. Um, I thought he's gotten a lot better. I've been making some money off him, and here he is. Here's the thing. I agree with you. I thought Sarukin won against Gamron. I was on Sarukin, but I also thought when I made this bet that it's it was going to be a lot easier of a fight for Saruk and uh, Gamrot really shocked me in this fight being able to weed off a lot of the takedowns weed off the ground game and Gamrot just had some really good blows I scored the fight that uh, Saruk and won but it certainly was <laughs> I understand th- that Gamrot you know when it comes down to the decision in a close fight it doesn't matter you know it's it's, it's out of your hands anymore now my now my problem is Benil Dariush, I have him lower than Sarukin. I, I think that Sarukin is a better fighter than Benil Dariush. And we're going to bring up Sarukin's name a little bit later in this show as well. But on the side of the price, I did take Dariush for one point or for just one unit. And that's low for me. I'm, I'm more of like a one, two, three unit guy. I know you're a little bit lower. But um, I just thought that this would be more equal at plus 165. But then, you know, I thought, do I go bigger? I actually lean more to go smaller on this one. So just from the fact that I think Dariush is right under Sarukin is why I took it. I can see myself losing it, though, Lou. It's one of those ones that yeah, it's dog or pass type deal. This is going to be really an amazing fight. Uh, it, it, I just uh, I trust my sources, and when, my, when my, I asked my resource on the fight, it was a tsunami of opinion in one direction and it swayed me considerably. All right. Well, Hey, sometimes you got to get out of those bets, save some money there. If, uh, if it's that convincing. So I applaud you for that. Let's, well, and 
And and to be honest, I'm not so certain I'm going to play Gamrot, and I'll tell you why. I'm happy to get out of the thing losing 20 cents, but let's not get greedy. I mean, wouldn't it be typical that you you bet one guy, you get out, now you go the other way, he's a, he's a favorite and you lose. So there's a lot going on here. I could see me sidestepping this fight altogether. I totally, I, I wouldn't, yeah, this is a big fight for Gamrot to get into the top contender. It's a fight. It's a big fight for both of them. So um, it's going to be very exciting. And I think it's favored to go to decisions. So um, and a little a little disagreement is good radio. So they, what what we do is give your listeners an opportunity to judge for themselves how they want to attack the fight. Exactly. It's going to be very exciting. But it just this card keeps just getting better and better, Lou. Each fight, each fight. <laughs> it really does. Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Are you kidding me, man? I've been dying to see O'Malley fight somebody for real, and here it is. I mean, the obvious thing for this is strength of schedule is massively different here. Jan, the former champion, he had Aljamain Sterling, and he gives an illegal knee. Sterling makes the correct move by not going back in when he was completely done in that fight, pushed it, took the title, and then Sterling outsmarted Jan in their last fight in my opinion I thought he just had a better coached corner in that fight Jan was a little headstrong made some stupid decisions I still think Jan is better than Sterling but I hate to say this I think Jan's better than O'Malley now there's been money coming in on O'Malley he was more about plus 280 plus 270 and now he's down to plus 220 I disagree with it but it made my play better and I'm actually playing both sides of this fight, Lou. And people can, as I tell my listeners, you can do this. I think this is going to be a KO fight. I think Jan's ground and pound is fantastic. I think that uh, O'Malley's been great, but now he's fighting somebody that's going to take him down to the mat and be able to ground and pound him elbows. That's Jan right there, and that's what Jan's going to do. Now, I like Jan, and if you look at FanDuel, it's at plus 340 to win by KO TKO. I took that for 1.25 stars, but I'm also putting a quarter star, quarter unit on O'Malley just in case he catches Jan at plus 550. I'm not worried about O'Malley submitting Jan. If this fight's done within the distance, it's going to be O'Malley pretty much, uh, or, or, or Jan, I think uh, most likely in the knockout. So I can win either way. The O'Malley side is more of my get my money back and maybe a tiny bit of profit. The Jan side at plus 340 was just too good for me to turn down. What are your thoughts? Well, my first thoughts are to look at the total, and I see that the two and a half over is minus 180 and or 185. And so I haven't really, I haven't really considered uh, O'Malley uh, – for a couple of reasons, but I would say this O'Malley and camp know that everyone thinks they can't wrestle or, uh, grapple. And O'Malley has been training nonstop for four years with Takino Mendez, who's a world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grappler. O'Malley's submission game should not be underestimated, especially when you consider that Jan's going to take an inward approach and O'Malley's a long, tall piece of spaghetti and has those long arms and legs. So um, I don't think I could take your tact on this fight. Here's what I think on this fight. 
I think that every time O'Malley stepped up big, he's come up short. Vera beat him. And uh, against Munoz, uh, the no contest, Munoz showed, I think, the blueprint on how to beat O'Malley, and that's to start with leg kicks. I think Jan is going to go out there and initially work those pencil legs of O'Malley's. He's then going to use his 61.5 takedown defense to take O'Malley down and force O'Malley to have to strain and use energy to get up from the floor. If O'Malley is allowed space and time in the 30-foot octagon to pick and pack against Jan, it's going to be a long night for Jan, and Jan starts slow. I look for O'Malley pretty strong to look great in the first round. I look for O'Malley to look pretty strong for the next three minutes of the second round, provided Jan gets this down and forces O'Malley to wrestle. The third round will be the tell in this fight. Jan fights his best in the last five minutes of any fight, three rounds or five rounds, and O'Malley hasn't been to the third much, and when he has, he's lost his power and showed a lack of gas. I can't side with O'Malley, though I go to that gym to get my tutelage every week. Yeah, okay, so that's good. Um, You have more respect and probably better information than me on O'Malley's uh, ground game. So that's that's very interesting. What happened with the Moonholes fight, the eye poke? Where I, I can't remember. It was in July. I think I was, on, I was up north. That's it. I was uh, I was up in northern Wisconsin. I missed this one. Can, do you remember? Bragger. What? You're bragging now. <laughs> I'm not bragging because I'm missing fights, Lou. I just didn't have any internet to watch it, my man. But, yeah, I get you. <laughs> I can't remember if it was uh, if O'Malley was winning it during Pedro's uh, fight. This, this is just so Pedro Munoz to uh, you know be able to slither out of this one. But <laughs> yeah, well, but the key to Pedro is how short he is. He has no reach whatsoever, and and Munoz's leg work was was definitely affecting O'Malley. That said, at the time of the eye poke, O'Malley was just beginning to get the fight kind of going his way. There's no way to say who was going to do this and who was going to do that. Uh, to me, this fight for me will come down to it's going to get to the third round. And when it does, I'm going to see if O'Malley can fight his best five minutes in the third round. Because if he can, he can win this fight. But he's going to have to fight his best five minutes on the last five minutes. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. This loss to Vera is a little bit concerning, but Vera's a great fighter too, so you got to give it to them. It's just that he hasn't fought in anybody. Paiva, uh, Thomas Almeida, nobody that I would put in the Tier 1, maybe not even most of these guys into the Tier 2. So this the, is the issue, the issue is that Jan is so short and so stubborn to strike and made for O'Malley stylistically. Jan, I hope... Uh, now, he's been training in Phuket at Tiger Muay Thai, which is primarily a striker's paradise, but he needs to wrestle in this fight and take O'Malley down to usurp the strength from him, I believe. I 100% agree with you. Let's move on to the next one, then. We have Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. This is such a great fight. TJ took a while off his fighting. Uh, he had the big comeback against Corey Sanhagen. And I'll tell you right now, if they score the fight the way they do today instead of the way they did a year and a half ago, Lou, it's uh, it's Corey Sanhagen winning that fight. Um, I, Dillashaw won just by holding him against the ropes. But at the same time, Dillashaw did a fine job. It's just that I thought that Sanhagen did a little damage. Yes, you can see I'm bitter, Lou. You can, you can see who I bet on in that fight. 
But what I will say is Dillashaw is a top contender here. Um, the question is, is he good, against, good enough against a guy that is absolutely wirely, fast, great countering, um, smart fighter, great corner as a Brazilian, like uh, or Jamaican, sorry, all Jermaine Sterling. So I'm very excited to see this fight. I almost got to the window on the dog, but I thought to myself, I think Sterling's better. Maybe you have something better for me than uh, what I was able to put out. I'm not. I'm not so sure if I do. I'm really. I'm really disappointed at Dillashaw, not because he used, but because he refuses to acknowledge that he used and that he wasn't using at Bantam. Hey, listen, if you lie once, you're a liar. I, I'm sorry. I don't trust the kid. I know he's probably getting tested out the left ear and right ear from USADA, but I've spoken with USADA about my concerns with some of the Russian fighters. And we've talked about this being a cat and mouse. You know, their technology gets better. USADA has to get better testing. And don't think for a minute that this isn't going on. The fighters that have income, i.e. Conor McGregor and others, they can find a way to skirt the rules if they really want to. And I'm not so sure TJ's not doing that. I'm not here to smear the guy's name as far as the fight is concerned. TJ's asset is his deft footwork and fluidity of movement. He's going to have that over Aljo. Aljo's a quirkier striker, a little weirder, awkward style that maybe TJ will find hard to time and, and get to. Wrestling could be a really interesting battle. Both are versed wrestlers. I think the difference for me comes because this is a five-round fight that if Aljo can get this thing into the middle of the third and later, perhaps TJ tires a little bit. We know Aljo will not. And I do like Aljo, the fact that he's coming off a of yawn. Listen, Aljo did what he had to against Jan. There was no way he should have competed after what happened to him in the first fight. Then the BS he took in between the first fight and the second fight created a volcano of a man, and we saw that emotion spill out after he beat Jan. What we're going to have on Saturday night is an Aljamain Sterling that'll never be more dangerous than he's going to be Saturday night because the pressure and the weight has been lifted from him and he's going to be fighting free. I lean to Sterling in a fight that I'm not going to touch because I'm clouded be, uh, for my thoughts ill on TJ Dillashaw. Oh, that's fair. That's completely fair. Great way to put it. Um, hard to tell what's going on behind the scenes. We can only speculate. Doesn't make, doesn't say that we're accusing anybody of anything because we're not. But we just are sports betters here, and we know in high-variant situations when to stay away. I think it's very important that people understand that. This is this is Dillashaw's last shot at a title here at 37 years old, so he's got to make it work. Uh, he's going to bring his best, no question. Sterling's going to be ready, going to be a great fight, just not one I can bet. Right, exactly. That He lost to Cejudo, which obviously he was champ, and then he – retires immediately which is very strange but um yeah this is going to be a, just an amazing fight too and a, a title bout I, I i don't know if i'm in a route for anybody i think that jan's probably the guy i think is the best but we'll see what happens and what comes to fruition now let's get to the main event lou and i'm sorry i have to admit i am a listener 
of the Bout Business Podcast. So I know what you have going on. Don't apologize. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. This is the fight I've been waiting for. I don't even under- know if statistics can really be used for a couple different reasons. I think that Charles has a massive strength of schedule advantage, yet Islam feels like Georgia, who... People say that he hasn't played anybody, yet when they violently do step up in class, they can possibly just be a freight train as well. Give us all of your wonderful line value that you have on Chuck. Well, there's yeah, this is one that when it opened was minus 195. And I didn't I, I had to think that that line was gonna come down, but you never know. So we took it, and now there's 30, 35 cents. Uh, of of value based on what the line is today. Uh, but recently that line has just started to tick an inch back up on the Makachev side. Uh, that could continue to happen, Kiev, because these fights are in Abu Dhabi, a heavy Muslim community. All the Russians and Muslim fighters, i.e. Bilal Muhammad, are going to uh, be the beneficiary of tremendous fan support there. So uh, we could still see some money come in on Makachev. So if you're interested in Oliveira, uh, maybe be patient and watch this thing to try and get the best possible price. I agree with you. I think uh, the experience is all with Charles Oliveira. Uh, The submission uh, prowess, the BJJ skill, his unbelievable striking. Uh, Here's what we know on Makachev. He was KO'd in his debut fight in the UFC, and since then, he's shown no desire to stand and strike with anyone. He must have learned his lesson. He's got Khabib in his ear. Go out there and do what you do, which is wrestle. He's singularly dimensioned and lacking uh, a completeness in his striking. He's fought no top five contenders. I believe to an extent it's Khabib that's helped him surf his way into the top. I'm not saying he's not deserving of this matchup, but what I am saying is that once we get these guys in the ring, I think we're going to see a little bit difference in skill, aptitude, and anger. The anger being that of Charles Oliveira, who was completely jobbed out of his title by a scam weigh-in in Phoenix, our backyard, the last time he fought. The kid's got a chip. Makachev, to me, has all the pressure on him. He's the, the child that's been anointed by Khabib to come in and be the next Khabib. That's a lot of pressure on a young kid that hasn't seen the same competition or gone through the same struggles as Oliveira. I really like If this fight stays standing, Oliveira tears him to pieces. Uh, I believe, again, the the uh, fight coaches and the experts in the industry that I talk to are, are all dead set on it. Makachev is taking Oliveira down. Okay, so if he does take him down, what happens when they get to the ground? I can't wait to see. <laughs> but I don't have any problem with Oliveira taking this fight wherever he wants to go. Let's remember, if Makachev gets too aggressive running in to engage with Oliveira, Oliveira will sub him with a with a, a choke of the neck or something. So 
Makachev has to be somewhat guarded in his approach on the way in. It's going to be an unbelievable fight, and I can't wait to watch it. But I'm sure I'm strictly on Dubronx. And that's a great number, and nobody can argue with that. Plus 190, plus 195, something like that that you have. I don't think it gets back to that area. But I do agree with you what you say. There is going to be uh, a Russian advantage uh, or you could say an Asian advantage in Abu Dhabi coming up on Saturday morning. What I do think is that Islam is Georgia in football. I think that he is unstoppable. I've been and I'm and I've been wrong on Charles. I, I've been betting against him and losing. I, I, I'm going to admit it right now. Um, but who was the guy that could grapple that Chuck has beat recently? You know who who was that that has that threat? You know, I, I mean Gaethje, no, uh, Dustin Poirier, no. You know, um, there's a couple well, of Ch- Chandler and Gaethje uh, got no problem with wrestling, and and to be uh, quite honest, uh, let's just take a little look down the way. Tony Ferguson's not a bad wrestler. He can, he's a spinner, a grappler. Kevin Lee, world class wrestler. Well, Jared Gordon, world-class wrestler. Mm. Jim Miller, Jim Miller, solid wrestler. Well, so, okay, Jim Jim Miller. I think you're going a little too far with Jim Miller. Here. I'm, I'm just I'm just going I'm just going down the line, uh, it, it, and so I I could almost say you know the same thing uh, regarding uh, Makachev, except Makachev, for one. He's been in with Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, Thiago Moses, and Drew Dober. His last four, not one of those guys wants to not wants to grapple or wrestle with him. Not one of them has the ground acumen that Oliveira has. I think it's Makachev that best worry about the grappling and not Oliveira. That's it, my opinion. It's Armand Sarukin that Makachev was able to beat earlier in his career. And like that was Saru- that was Sarukin's debut fight in the UFC, and it went all three rounds to a decision. Sarukin can't wait to get to Makachev. <laughs> I bet he can't, man. But now with that with, with that Gamrot loss, it might take a little bit. Unless Makachev loses his fight, then you'll see this definitely a lot quicker. But um, what I will say is that Eagle fighting uh, with Habib is fantastic and i think that the russians for some reason i don't know if it's because of religious reasons they just seem to handle pressure a lot better you know numbers wise i've seen how quickly makachev does finish people like bobby green dan hooker i mean the easiest bet for a while at least the last four was him with inside the distance and his spread and his money line was just so high. The only way that you could bet Islam Makachev was within the distance. You're right about strength of schedule. I'm going to disagree with the Sarukin one. I thought that was a fantastic win, but you also have to look at Charles losses and his loss to Paul Felder, uh, Lamas Pettis. I wasn't a big fan of the Felder one, especially, and Chandler had him a little bit dazed. I thought that he was going to lose. Yeah, Chandler's top five talent. Makachev has not fought top mm. five talent. And oh, by the way, Felder was nine fights ago. Oliveira's won eight straight fights. That ain't the same fighter, Kiev. And and I think it's great that we're on opposite sides here. Again, beneficiary are the listeners. 
And uh, I'm not going to convince you and you're not going to convince me. But the, the great news is that if there's 100,000 people going to watch this fight, you're going to have 50,000 and one on one side and 49,999 on the other. It's going to be outstanding fight. It is, Lou. Yeah, and thank you for that. You're absolutely, this is going to be outstanding. Come in as a fan if, if you're not convinced. Uh, I'm a big UFC fan. Sometimes it's better just to lay off a fight and be a fan. Have no pressure on yourself when watching this fight. And so I completely agree with it. Here's some other good uh, good news, Lou. I, I when this thing got to 150 is when I took him. So both of us have some line value on this fight, and um, it's coming up to minus 170, back to one, minus 175. Some books minus 180 here. So both of us have some very good line value. I think that's a great thing for a sports better. And wow, this is going to tell everything. This has been the most stacked weight class in the UFC over the past five years plus, hasn't it, Lou? It has. And that's why I value Charles beating Gaethje, Poye, Chandler over Makachev beating Scrub, Can, Can. Yeah, you, and you might absolutely be right. And that plus 190 ticket is certainly shining right now because you have wonderful line value. Many other people saw it your way for this thing to drop like that, Lou. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, part of the job, as you know, Kiev, is getting the best of the number. The second part is the hard part, winning the fight, <laughs> battle, football game, baseball game, whatever it may be. It's certainly a numbers game, Lou. We're out of time. Where could our listeners get your great information and media? Yeah, uh, best way to catch me. I'm working on a new web page. That's coming soon, gamblue.com. But until then, Fridays, there's UFC cards. There's a 16-minute bout business podcast. Every UFC card drops wherever you get your podcasts on Friday. The bout business podcast, check it out. Final releases and a rolling yearly accounting and ROI are always provided. And lastly, Kev, you're, you do a great job with these uh, with your site as well with uh, these podcasts. I appreciate you having me on and thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it so much, Lou. Thank you so much for a wonderful breakdown on this card. I can't wait to be texting you during the fights and I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Same to you and all the listeners. All right. And now our refuse to lose teaser is coming up on deck. We are going to take the Baltimore Ravens from minus six to pick them. It's actually minus six and a half. Some, some books. I just like them to win. So you'll be good to go with that. On the other side, we are going to take the Las Vegas Raiders down to minus one. I know I said I didn't like them as much in the teaser. They actually had a bye week as well. I'm, I decided that they should be teaser worthy the way Josh McDaniels has these guys playing. Uh, there's a couple other options that I have, but I'm actually going to be betting those sides most likely. So I did not want to get double invested. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The sharp side of the force is brought to you by betfred.com for a Sign up bonus of $250 worth of free bets. Please visit Betfred to use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. All right, Sharp College Football Week 8. Sharp money on Georgia State plus 10.5 down to plus 9.5 at Appalachian State. 57% of the tickets, 84% of the money. 
Charmaine Rutgers, minus one to minus three, hosting Indiana, 66% of the tickets and 91% of the money. Charmaine, Louisiana Monroe, plus nine down to plus six and a half at Army, 63% of the tickets and 89% of the money. Charmaine, Texas Tech, minus four to minus seven, hosting West Virginia, 39% of the tickets and 80% of the money. Kansas State, sharp money down from plus five down to plus three and a half at TCU, 53% of the tickets and 84% of the money. Sharp totals. Vanderbilt versus Missouri, under 56.5 to 52.5, 82% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sharp money in Minnesota versus Penn State, under 48.5 down to 44.5, 38% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Sharp money in Kansas State versus TCU, under 63.5, all the way down to 54, 58% of the tickets and 92% of the money. A lot of weather in Texas. There's going to be a lot of unders and people hitting it just based on the wind. Rice versus Louisiana Tech, under 59 to 57.5, 19% of the tickets and 81% of the money. And Sharp Money in the West Virginia versus Texas Tech under 72 to 65.5, 47% of the tickets and 66% of the money. Sharp NFL, Sharp Money in the Jets plus three and a half down to plus one at the Broncos, 88% of the tickets, 90% of the money. Sharp Money in the Texans plus eight down to plus seven at the Raiders, 36% of the tickets, 87% of the money. Sharp Money on Seahawks plus eight down to plus six at the Chargers. 87% of the tickets, 94% of the money. Sharp money on Miami, minus six to minus seven, hosting the Steelers. 55% of the tickets and 74% of the money. Sharp totals. Saints versus Cardinals under 46 to 44, 46% of the tickets and 80% of the money. Sharp money on the under for the Packers versus Commanders, 43.5 to 41.5, 69% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Sharp money on the Falcons versus Bengals over 44.5 to 47.5, 83% of the tickets and 98% of the money. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's a massive weekend in sports. Huge UFC 280. We still got college football, Major League Baseball playoffs, and obviously the NFL. If you have any questions for Monday's podcast, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners.